Welcome to Grace Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, Texas, with senior pastor and teacher Joe Marquez. Today's sermon was recorded on Sunday, August 9th, 2015. Special guest Michael Petit is in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. The title of this sermon is, Here is My Heart, Lord. Here's Michael Petit. All right, we're going to look at this. As the title of this is, Here's My Heart, Lord. I am yours. Actually, that is, if you know anything about David Crowder, that's actually uh, from Passion 2013. And I just love that song. And uh, we're going to look at this in three parts. We're going to look at it as trust in him with all your heart. Do not lean on self and idols. In all your ways, he will. So as we come through these doors today, uh, one of the things that I do love is having the worship team. We had them back. We've been doing acoustic for the last few weeks, and then to have them do the great I Am, which is, you know, it's just, you know, the Lord moving and, and, and just showing us that, uh, that He is the great I Am. And then this, this first verse, when we look at it, it says, Trust in the Lord. The Lord there is Yahweh, the great I Am. And so what we have to do is we have to start to understand that there are times in our lives that, that uh, we allow uh, the problems of this world to shake and rattle us to the point that we are not trusting in God. We're struggling with that. And so what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the trust issue. We're going to look at the heart issue. And, uh, and this is a simple verse. You know, this is a verse when I first came to know the Lord seven years ago. This was the verse I got. And thank God, because I'm from the South. I grew up in Alabama. You've got to give me something simple and plain. And this was about us. And I didn't realize this is what they teach the Sunday school kids. And I'm like, really? You know, and so it, it just woke me up to remember, you know, because everything that I had done for the 39 years of my life of living in sin and the destruction that I had made, it was all from my own understanding. I made the choices. It was my will. I thought God was too busy for me. I thought God's got bigger problems than me. He's got wars going on. He's got hunger going on. He doesn't have time for me. And so I, I told myself in my heart that. And I allowed myself to believe it, and I allowed myself to try to fix my own problems for 39 years. The Lord woke me up. In a separation, a divorce that was fixing to happen, kids that were suicidal, and a path of destruction. Jerry shared with us last week, if you imagine your sin as a rock and, and you drop that rock, a big rock in a, in a pond, the ripples of the water, your sin impacts so many other people, so many other people. And so... This verse was a verse that, that I got when I first came to know the Lord, and I was like, wait a minute, I understand that. What does it mean in the Greek? It means not to lean on my own understanding. I was leaning on my own understanding the whole time. And so that's how, I, how the Lord really kind of spoke with me. And then, you know, if we look at this in a, in a simple way, it's, it's very easy to kind of think of it as, as us being a plane and, and, and God is the air, air traffic controller in the tower. And I love the word air traffic control because that's what we want. We want control. We don't want to give that to God. 
And that's where our trust issues begin. And see, we're planes up in the air. And see, God's on the ground, and he can see the planes that are next to us, to the left of us, to the right of us. He can see the planes that are landing, the ones that are taking off, the ones that are scheduled that haven't even left the gates yet. And you're in the middle of the storm right now. And you're just trying to do everything you can to get out of the storm. Everything you can to get out of the storm. And God's saying, I need you to stay where you're at, to stay the course that you're at. I'm there for you. And the enemy starts putting doubt in your mind. And that's, that's, that doubt turns to fear. Fear turns to worry. It starts to wake us up at night. You know, we're not getting any good sleep. And we're like, I just need to go above the clouds. I can get, a, I can get above the storm. And God's saying, no, there's a plane above you. You can't do it. You can't do it. But yet you want to you wanna take the plane above the storm. But yet, if you were a passenger in that plane, wouldn't you want to trust the air traffic controller? Would you want that person to say, hey, man, I'm going to go ahead and push it up? That's the problem, is we want to have all the control. And we have to trust in God. One of the things that I really love is, is the prophet Isaiah. And in dealing with trust issues, when King Uzziah died tragically, died tragically, he, uh, he was quickly beginning to struggle. And just a quick backdrop on King Uzziah, he was 52 years old, and, and in 2 Kings 15.3 it says, He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all the father Amaziah had done. And so King Uzziah has actually died, and he died tragically. And, uh, and, and it really messed Isaiah up to the point where he was discouraged and disillusioned. And he's, he's struggling with this. And, he, and he's probably asking the question that we've all asked, where was the Lord in all this? Where's the Lord in this? And so what happens is Isaiah gets his answer pretty quickly. Sometimes we do get our answers quickly. Sometimes we have to wait. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And him stood the seraphim itch. Each had six wings, with, uh, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew, and one called another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips." And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King of the Lord of hosts. So the first thing God does is he says, you know what, Isaiah, you're focused on a king in this world. You're focused on the things of this world. You put your faith in a man. I need you to place your faith in someone who's holy, 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 the Lord of hosts. And see, unfortunately, when we start to get those questions of doubt, the first thing that we need to do is that's when our faith should kick in. That's when it should kick in to overdrive at that moment. The first thing we need to do is answer it with truth. And the way that you do that is you answer it with truth is you, you go to the Word of God. That's where your truth comes from. In John 1, chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So why would you not go to God's Word? 
First thing you do is you call a friend. Let me call somebody. And usually we call the person that has the most troubles in the world. (laughs) That's not walking with the Lord. You know? Let me get advice on my relationship. They're on their fourth marriage. They're they're not following the Lord. They're... Their kids are are just in chaos, and let me call them and let me get advice from them. Instead, I go to the Word of God. We We don't pick up our Bibles. We don't ask for prayer. We don't seek fellowship. Seek fellowship with other believers. We don't do any of those things. And so, the Word of God is what we need to be focused on. It says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. So, if you want to make your ways prosperous and have good success to be able to walk through the things of this world, because you are going to go through sufferings, you're going to go through trials. Let me tell you something, what I have learned is... For the 39 years of my life, I did go through sufferings. But I cling to pornography. I cling to addictions, adultery. I cling to things of this world, adrenaline, because I served in the military, served in combat. I was looking for that same thrill. And so I cling to that, but now I cling to God's Word. And we can memorize so many things. I mean, we memorize so many things. If, if I, I did this with my son just to kind of to humor me to see if he could give me some of the movies. If I, if I told you a scene from Star Wars and I said, Luke, I'm your what? Father, right? See, we, <laughs> we can memorize stuff. What about Nacho Libre? Save me a piece of that. There you go. Life is like a box of what? See, Forrest Gump. Say, these are all movies I watched before Christ. I could memorize stuff. I could have a movie or a song hit me, and I could tell you exactly where I was when that song hit me. But I don't make time for what? The Word of God. I don't make time to be in God's Word. And so it's easy to remember things, but God is saying, look, I need you. In order for you to trust in me, I need to build this relationship with you. And the only way that you do that is through spending time with me. And so, God is also saying in the same verse, he's saying, with all your heart. With all your heart. So he's not only saying that I want to build the relationship, but he's saying, look, I don't need no half-hearted people following me. You're either with me or you're not. You're either with me or you're not. God's a jealous God. And so, unfortunately, what ends up happening is we don't follow him with all of our hearts, so it makes it hard for us to what? Trust in the Lord. That's where the the whole issue begins. You know, my father had heart surgery when, um, back in 2001, he had just went in for a catheter and uh, to do a stent, and it turned out all of his heart was, he had blockage in every, every artery, even the widow maker. They were surprised he hadn't died. But for so many years, they had been treating the symptoms of the heart. 
So the heart can give you lack of sleep, anxiety. It can give you lightheadedness, trouble of breathing. Uh, it, it does so many more things. It shows up in so many different areas. And the doctors were treating those different symptoms. They weren't dealing with the heart. And see, God is wanting to deal with your heart. He's looking at your heart right now, and he's saying, look, there's some blockage here. There's some things that got to be removed. In 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on, the, or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? On the heart. God is looking at your heart. At your heart. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitfully above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Only God can. That's why he's saying, Your whole heart needs to be with me. Because if not, your heart's deceitfully above all things. You're going to follow the things of this world. Your flesh is going to win. Jesus gave us the command. 11 uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 27, it says, And he said, You shall love the Lord with... Your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And then again, God's word in Hebrews 4.12 says, uh, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged uh, sword, piercing to the division of the soul, and of the spirit of the joints, and of the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intention of the heart. So God, God's word shows us the intentions of the heart. It convicts us. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a hard one, right? You can take a look at your, your bank statement online. You can see where your heart is. You can see where your heart is, where your money's going. And that other one, you know, with, the, with it, you know, in, in Hebrews, it knows the intentions of your heart. I've been in this same room as Pastor Joe has spoken and had something hit me so hard, it felt like somebody had just cut my heart and, and woke me up to say, look, there's something that needs to be removed here. There's a bitter root that needs to come out. And I was young in the Lord. We had somebody come visit us from uh, our, one of our missionaries that we knew, that Joe knew, and he came and spoke from uh, Iraq. He was planting churches in Iraq. And um, I realized that as a Christian, I hated Muslims. I had fought in that country. I had deep, deep hate. And God told me, Mike, you, you can't be a Christian and have that. That can't be in your heart, bro. You can't call yourself a Christian and have that hate in your heart. I watched a young man this week on ESPN, and he was part of... The deaths in Charleston, I'm from that area. It woke that city up to a revival. And see, the enemy thought he was going to use that for, for hate. And that young man's mother was killed. She was one of the, the people that were killed that day in that study. That young man stood up and forgave the person that shot his mom. 
and you think your problems are that bad? This is a kid in high school. And the foundation that the mother had placed in his heart, the trusting of God that that mother put in that child's heart, when everything in the world is saying, don't, don't forgive, don't forgive, this child stands up and says, I forgive him. My mother would have forgave him. And so God's word convicts us, but it has to hit us in the heart. It has to change us. There has to be a move for us to say, you know what, I do need to be obedient to God's word. I need to actually live this thing out. In Romans 10, 9, we know that's the verse that says for our salvation, because if we confess with with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. But see what happens is so many people say that prayer, confess that, and then they punch their ticket to heaven and they don't grow. There's no growth. There's no trust in God. And see, we need the Holy Spirit in us. We need to remove that half-hearted view that we have or that hardened areas of our heart and have them removed. And Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And that's all it was for me. I sat here, went home, and asked God to forgive me for hating Muslims and asked God to please start bringing people in my life to be able to talk with them. I'm on Lackland Air Force Base all the time. They gave me the opportunity. We're training those guys here. They're here training. And so it's an opportunity when I do get to speak with them to love on them. And so God gave me the opportunity immediately. But you have to be willing to actually step out in faith and trust him and do what he's actually telling you to do. We move past that and we go past the heart. And now we start dealing with our, our leaning on our own understanding. And do not lean on your own understanding. And, and really at this point, we're, what we're talking about is dealing with self-dependence and sin. And idols that are happening in our lives. And so many of us are so dependent on these things. Sadly, right? We all have them. We all carry them around. Some of us have our Bibles on them and stuff. But you realize that sometimes that you can be in the Word of God, reading your scripture for the day, and you get 15 different opinions that come across this thing while you're trying to read the Word of God. Or while you're praying, you get a message. Think. You stop your prayer and pick this thing up. And sadly, this thing is not even being used to its full potential. You know, it's not. This thing can do so much more than what I can do with it. But God is saying, look, I need a, I need a heart that's re- willing to step out in faith. I need a, 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 for you to stop trusting on your own understanding because he's given a command here. He's saying, do not, do not. You know, he's saying, do not lean on your own understanding. And unfortunately, what's happened is we've allowed psychology into our home. We've allowed uh, terms like behavior modification to deal with sin. 
And, and what I mean by that is if I'm an alcoholic, I'll just stay away from the bars and any place that serves beer. And that's how I'll get right. And what happens is, is the reality is, is if you're not dealing with the heart of the issue. My father did that. He was a, a, he's a recovering alcoholic. He, uh, you know, that's probably why his heart was the way it was for drinking all those years. And, you know, he reaped what he sowed. Sadly. I understand that now. I didn't understand it then. But the reality is, is that um, he told me, he's like, you know, what was funny, Mike, he goes, I realized why I started drinking. There was a lot of anxiety and racing thoughts and worry that was going on. And that was the reason why I had started drinking, because I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't go to God with it. And so he did. And God had to remove that from his heart. It wasn't the behavior modification. It wasn't him trying to hide away from not going to bars and beer. It was him going to God. And so, so, so much of that is, is what we do is we allow idols to start to build up in our hearts. And we start to, instead of trusting God, we start to reach for those other things, the pornography, the alcohol, the pills. We start putting people in places of idolatry. And yes, you can do that. Your husband, your wife, your kids. You see it all the time. You know, parents grow up and then the kids are gone. They don't know what to do with themselves because they have placed the kids in a place of idolatry. Mark 7, uh, chapter 7, verses 20, 23 says, And he said, What comes out of the person is what defiles him. For, uh, for from within, out of the heart of man, comes, and this is really good, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, even slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. So why would you trust your heart with yourself? Why not give it to God? Why not start to lean on his understanding and not your own? I love Elijah. Uh, we're going to look at, at 1 Kings 18, and, and Elijah is, uh, you know, in James chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. It's an opportunity to understand that, that, that Elijah was just a man. Elijah was just a man. But with a pure heart, God did so, such amazing things with him. Same thing with David. David was a man after God's own heart. In Acts uh, chapter 13, verses 22, it says, And when he removed him, he raised up David to be, the, be their king, of, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my, my heart, who will do all of my will. That's all we need is a pure heart. We look at 1 Kings 18, verses 1 and 2. It says, During the third year without rain, the Lord spoke his word to Elijah. Go and meet King Hagab, and I, I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to meet Ahab. So what's the first step of trusting God? Being obedient to him, right? He said, go meet King Ahab. What did Elijah do? He went and met King Ahab. It's, just, it's not rocket science, people. 
It really is not. We make it harder than what it is. If I'm a guy from Alabama telling you I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, I went to the worst schools that you could go to. I, I graduated school a half year early. I only went a half a day my senior year. And I'm telling you, this is so simplistic that that's, that's what the faith is. It's simplistic. But you bring your worldly views into it, and that's what causes the trust issues. It's simplistic. God says to go what? Go see Ahab. What do you do? You go see Ahab. God tells you you're in a storm, and he only gives you one word, and he says, stay. Stay. And your marriage is falling apart, but God has given you one word, one word. And what do you do? You stay. And God's telling you one more word. He gives you trust. And you're saying, the rent, I don't know how it's going to get paid this month. Kids need school clothes. I don't know how we're going to get those. I don't know what we're going to do. But God say, trust. You trust him. You, you stay. You take those simple, simplistic words that he gives you, and you do what he asks you to do. And you trust that he's going to take care of you. Remember we said doubt, simple what? Go to the word of, word of God, right? How do, you, how do you remove doubt? Go to God's word. How do you how do you do it when the ground seems to be shaken up under you and you just feel like you're you're done? You do what what Elijah did here in James chapter five verses seventeen. It says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, but what did it says? And he prayed fervently. You pray. Your faith needs to kick into action when those times are coming and you're being rattled around by this world. Go to God's word. Let me pray. Let me ask for prayer. There's a prayer box there. You know, I, we didn't tell y'all, but we might as well let y'all know now. Uh, if you go to the app store or the, uh, the, the iOS store, you can download the Grace Calvary Chapel app. It's available for free. And there's a prayer request form in there. You can pray directly from the app now. There ain't no excuses for you not to go to God. We, <laughs> we have just filled our time with too many other things of this world. As we move on into 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17 says, And when, we, when he saw Elijah, he asked, Is this you, the biggest troublemaker in Israel? Right? The biggest troublemaker in Israel. You know, some of y'all have been troublemakers for the enemy of this world. And God's saying, I can use you to be troublemakers. Really? I've been told my whole life, stop being a troublemaker. And Elijah was a troublemaker, but he did it for the Lord. He made people feel uncomfortable. And that's what happens when you start to walk with God. It's going to get uncomfortable for the people around you sometimes. And you have to trust that because why in John 15, 8, uh, 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. 
It goes on to say in, in Elijah, in 1 Kings 18, uh, chapter 18, verses 18 and 19, it says, Elijah answered, and he says, I have not made trouble in Israel. So this was his answer back. He's answering the king. He says, you and your father's family have made all this trouble by what? By not obeying the Lord's command, you have gone after the Baals. You've gone after the Baals. And so one of the things that happens here is when we are not obedient to God's word, uh, we start to look for things other than God to fill it. And that's what was happening here. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, the Israelites, and this is real funny about all this, is that this was Christians. Oh, my Lord, not the Christians. Yes, this was Christians. This was Christians that had decided, I'm not getting the answer that I want, so I'm going to go find something else. I'm going to go look to something else. And that's what Baal was. Baal was somebody they could pray to for, for their crops, for rain. And so they're saying, look, we, we believe in God. I believe in God. I trust in God. But you know what? I'm going to go over here just in case because I need a little rain. And that's what happens in our lives. We have bales in our lives. We, we want things to work a certain way, and we're saying, God, I trust you. But we start reaching out to bail. Our relationships, our finances, our kids, even ministry start going astray, and we go, God's not enough. I need this too. I need this too. And that's where these... You know, the Israelites were at this moment. One of the things I love when it goes into verse 20, it says, So Ahab called the Israelites to those prophets to Mount Carmel. So God will call your enemy and say, You know what? You can have home field advantage. I'm coming to your mountain. It does not scare God. He is not quaking in his boots with the things that are going on in this world. God is not off in the corner going, I don't know what to do with ISIS. What are we going to do? No, God already has the answer for ISIS. It's you. Share the word of God. There are a number of refugees that are pouring into Europe right now from Syria that have nowhere to go, that have no food to eat. And what an opportunity for Christians to actually go and do what Jesus told them to do. God is not not sitting there going, I don't know what I'm going to do. The Supreme Court, what do we do? God's not doing that. You know what? The answer came on Facebook for me because I had so many people freaking out on Facebook. And Lord knows you can really see where somebody's heart is when they go to social networks. It used to be we would pour our hearts out to each other. Y'all remember that? We'd actually talk to somebody. Now we do it, and it, it goes out immediately. And I wish, I, I wish, you know, sometimes I, I know for myself, man, I shouldn't have wrote that, you know? But people were freaking out. And what was really cool was Calvary Chapel, uh, New Jersey, was doing Bridge Fest. They were doing Bridge Fest. I, during the, the week that... that Supreme Court ruling went out, and Pastor Ron Hent from Calvary Chapel, Houston, they were baptizing people in the, in, the, in the ocean. And so that's what God gave me 
So when people ask me, well, what are we supposed to do? You're supposed to be at work. God is expecting you to serve and be, be doing what you're supposed to be called to do. He didn't ask you to go hide in the corner or go on Facebook and just lose it. Just lose it. 1 Kings 18.21 says, Elijah approached the people and he said, How long, how long will you not decide between two choices? How long will you not decide between two choices? And that's what God may be asking you today. How long will you choose that job over me? How long are you going to choose those kids over me? Your wife, your husband over me. See, to trust God, is it comes down to us not being double-minded. We learned this when we went to the youth retreat, so I would encourage you to go and drop your kids off with Pastor Mike and send them to the youth retreat because we taught this last year. We taught them the book of James. This year they're going to learn the book of Ephesians. We don't go out there to teach them. We teach them the Word of God. That's what we stand on is the Word of God here. It says in, in, in James uh, chapter 1, verses 5, and seven, if, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without approach, reproach and will be given him, will be given him, and, but let him ask in faith with not doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. When you're jumping the fence and you're... I'll explain this in a better way. Let's say that you're reading. You're, uh, you're doing your readings like you're supposed to. You're reading daily. You're praying daily. But then you go read your horoscope. Double-minded. God's saying the wisdom that I'm giving you, <laughs> I can't be here. How about if you're battling a serious illness? You come up and you have the pastors anoint you with oil, right? But then you go to Mexico to see a spiritual healer, to have an egg rubbed on you. Because that's what they do. They rub eggs to remove evil spirits, right? They tried to do that to my son when he was a baby, and I knew it was wrong. I wasn't even in the Lord then. But people go do that because they get desperate. They're looking for answers. Maybe you lost a loved one. You've asked the women in the church to pray for you. So you ask them to lay hands on you to help you through the broken heart. But really what's happened is you have placed your husband in a place of idolatry. And you can't function now. So you go find somebody who can speak to the dead. But you trust in God. That's what it is. That's, that's double-mindedness. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. And so we look to Scripture. We know that, that Sarah and, and uh, Abraham did that. They try to fix the problem themselves. They try to lean on their own understanding. We know that Moses said, you know what, I'll go ahead and take care of the, the, the Hebrew people right now. I'm going to kill the Egyptian. 
in his own understanding, that's what he did. And so that's why it says, how long will you not decide between two choices? If the Lord is true, God follow him. But if Baal is true, follow him. See, God is not an option on the table. And I know I've heard this before because I've told a girl this. I don't, we just are, uh, just need to be friends right now. I need to, I need a time, I need a break. I'm going to explore my options. You probably heard that in your lifetime. You probably told that to an employer. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to take this job. I'm going to explore my options. But see, God is saying, I'm the only option. I'm the only option. There's no other option on the table. If you're on the fence with God, the, the, the devil owns the fence. So he's saying, how long? How long? And it actually, when you go back and you look at the text, it's actually saying, as a lame man is walking, how long will you limp between these two choices? How long will you jump between these two branches is the example they give. And if you've ever seen a bird, they can't stay on one branch for that long. They bounce from branch to branch to branch. And yet God has given you this big oak tree branch to stand on, and you want to get on the little tiny twig, waiting for it to snap. Because you have not decided in the two choices. And what's sad is that some people will jump from branch to branch. They'll do really good because God says, my ways are higher than yours, and they're going up the branch, and they're growing. They came to know the Lord two years, three years, and they're growing. And then all of a sudden, they have a Christian business. It never started off that way. It was just a business. But because they came to know the Lord, they want to run it the way that God intended it to be run. They come to church every Sunday and Wednesday. And then the economy hits, the storm hits, and God's telling them to stay the course. Stay the course. But they're limping between branches. They're jumping and coming down lower and then getting on the little twig, and they're saying, you know what, I can overlook the permit. We don't have to have a license to do that. I'll do that under the table. Because they're not trusting in God in those hard times. They're trusting back in their old ways. They're leaning back to their old understanding. They're going to talk to their old friends who used to do things the illegal way. Next thing you know, they're in their old bars again. And yet they're writing scripture on Facebook. It's happening. Remember, God was speaking to Christians here, Israelites. And he's saying, look, I will not be an option. I won't have it. I won't have it. I want all of your heart, not part of it. Or else I don't want none of it. And I told the men that when we were at the, uh, at the men's, men's retreat last year. And I told them, I said, if you're not serious about this, there's the door. And that was pretty harsh. I didn't realize when I said it, but... But the reality is, is God wants a wholehearted person. And men, if you're a man of God, he is calling you to lead your homes. And you have one hard job to do. It's 
especially in the times that we're in. And if you just came to know the Lord, the last thing you need to be doing on is relying on your old self to lead your family. To lead your family. Acknowledge him. The last little bit here is acknowledge him. And it says to know him in wisdom. And, and it, it's by you acknowledging him, you're acknowledging that he's sovereign. And you're acknowledging that, that he is, you, by you acknowledging him, you're expecting success. And what I mean by that is, look, success to get through the storm. You're going to go through some storms. When the kids do something and you're going, what in the world? Because my kids are all adults now. Okay, I have to trust. You want to do, live this verse out, just have adult children. Because I'm going to tell you, they do things sometimes, and I'm just like, Lord, have mercy. But I trust them. They belong to the Lord. They belong to God now. They're not mine. They were never mine. And so I trust that, that God's going to take care of them. And, and so acknowledge him is just real simple. We see... In the Bible, when, when uh, I'll just use this example real quick. And as Samson and Delilah, everybody knows the story. But what happened is Samson started idolizing Delilah. And it went hand in hand with Samson wandering from God. It eventually pulled him away from the Lord. And so when you're choosing between two choices, eventually that other choice is going to start to pull you further and further away from the Word of God, from prayer. Next thing you know, you're not coming to church on Wednesday. You're only coming on Sunday. Uh, I can't make that event. I'm, I, I, you know, I can't make it Sunday. And then next thing you know, you're, you're, you're gone. You've lost your walk. Happens to many of people. Unfortunately, it does. But see, when we see in, in Judges chapter 16, when, when, um, when Samson loses his, uh, his eyes, and that's what sin does, it says here, it says, I will go out as, a, as at other times and shake myself free. So he, he gets caught. The Philistines are upon him. And Samson woke up from his sleep and said, I, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. If you have a highlight, I would highlight that next verse or that next little part of the verse in chapter 20. Verses 16. Chapter 20. I'll get it right here. I'm all backwards. Chapter 16, verse 20. Sorry about that. And it's, uh, it says, but he did not know the Lord had left him. I've read that verse, I don't know how many times, and never caught that. He's expecting the same results. He's expecting, I'm going to get through this. I'm on the little branch, but the little branch is, it's, it just broke. And the Lord had left him. The Lord had left him. And then what's really sad is you see what happens when sin and idols and self-dependence come into our hearts. And the Philistines, they seized him and, and gouged his eyes out. So he gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. So I have hope that the, the hair will grow. Uh, but... Seriously, if you look at that and you think about the gouging of the eyes, um, he's the grind, the, the, the mill, he's shackled and walking in circles because he's blind. He can't, he don't know what else to do. That's what sin does to you. It puts you in the dark. 
it, 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 it keeps you from moving with the Lord. It, it, it uh, man, it just, it, you know, how many of y'all are walking in circles right now, bound up and chained? Blind. What does 2 Corinthians 5 say? For we walk by what? Faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. We trust in God. We walk in faith. We allow it to engage us. I love this verse because it says, it says, uh, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your straight your paths. Make straight your paths. He will. But you have to acknowledge him. See, he will pull you out of the darkest hole. He will break the addiction of pornography. He will stop the depressions and the suicidal thoughts. He will bring home a prodigal son or daughter. Not you. Not your will. He will. He will. He can heal the heart of the loss of a loved one. He can cure a disease or cancer. He will. He will save your marriage. Not you. Not you. Jerry shared something with us last week I thought was so to the point. If you have problems in your marriage, best thing you can do is go get you a mirror, two mirrors, glue them together. She looks at one mirror, you look at the other, and the problem's in you. That's where you have to start working on you. God wants to work on you. It starts with you. It starts with you. See, he will remove the scales from our eyes. He will give you freedom in Christ. He will because he's holy. He will because he's sovereign. He will because he is love. He will because his son died on the cross for you. And defeated sin. See, he will because we have to what? Acknowledge him. And trust in him. With all of our hearts. With all of our hearts. Not just part of it. And Judges, we'll finish up right here. And it says in, in, in verse 16, in chapter 16, verse 28, it says, Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me. What did the guy on the cross say that was with hanging with Jesus? Please remember me. Remember me. It's, it's, it's you stopping what you're doing. Stop the sin. Stop limping between two choices. And start following the cross. And stop looking behind you at the things that your life used to be and start following what your life is going to be. It's just simple. Simplistic. It's not that hard. Be obedient. Go. Okay, Lord. Do. Okay, Lord. Stop. Stop fighting him on it. He says, please remember me. Please strengthen me. Strengthen me. Strengthen me. Only this once, O oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two, my two eyes.
And then we know the story, Samson goes ahead, he rips the pillars apart and everybody dies. But one of the things that was in the verse, in, in, in verse 30, it said, So the dead whom killed at, the, at, that, at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his whole life. Do you realize it was in that brokenness, that suffering that he went through, but also that repentance? Remember me. Remember me. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. That God used Samson and did more with his life in that last moment of his life than all the life that he was running between those two choices, between Delilah and God. So I'll end with this, and I just one question for you. So how long will you limp between two choices? God is not an option. He's the only option. He's the only option. Thank you so much. Well, that concludes today's sermon in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, with special guest Michael Petit. If you'd like to get this sermon or others, you can go to our website at www.gracecalvarychapel.org. You can also download the Grace Calvary Chapel app in the iOS store, as well as the Android Play Store. Senior Pastor and Teacher Joe Marquez and the Grace Calvary Chapel family would love to invite you to come visit our church. If you need to get service times or find out about the different ministries that we offer, or maybe you need to get a hold of Pastor Joe Marquez directly through email or by phone, or maybe there's something that's weighing on your heart and you need to submit a prayer request, you can do all of this through our website at www.gracecalvarychapel.org. God bless.